0: got into some really good things there uh, with the Lord. And God continued to talk about some of that uh, those things. And, you know, God is really, he is very desirous to, to meet us and visit with us and talk with us and teach us and instruct us and you, you say, well, the word of God comes forth all the time. Yes, great, fantastic. But I'm talking about you and the Lord actually having conversation where he visits you and talks with you and, and, and it spounds things unto you, brings wisdom and understanding in greater measure, illumination. I like, I like that word. I love that word actually, illumination. It, it, it illuminates you. It, it opens up your understanding and, and it adds to you and the Lord is increased in you. And at the same time, some of the reason that is happening, that that increase that is, right, uh, is because things are being addressed. God's talking to us about things. And one of the questions that I ask out in California is a question that I've asked before in in, uh, previous preachings, and it was, what doth hinder you? And we got into it, man. We got into some things out there. And so there's a thought here that I would like to uh, present. This is, um, this is something that uh, really ministered uh, to me. But I, I, you know, as always, may not be able to preach at all. That's okay. We're just going to put some things out there and see where it goes. And uh, then we'll see if anyone has questions afterwards. But in John chapter 12, let me see where I want to start here. Um, Let's start in verse twenty-three. Now uh, you can go read the other part, the the other things that uh, came before this, um, in your own time. Okay. Jesus answered them, saying, "Yeah, they, they okay." So just to put in, when I read that, I realized that maybe just give a little context. Uh, The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of this. Okay, so they they were seeking to see Jesus. How many of you are seeking to see Jesus? Okay. Jesus answered unto them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Everybody say die. It abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Okay? Now, I want to just tell you right off the bat, we are not talking about the death of sin here. We're not talking about the death that comes by way of sin, the carnal mind, the body of death, etc. We're talking about the death of the Lord here tonight, okay? So if that corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies it abides alone but if it die it brings forth much fruit he that loves his life shall lose it he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal boy that is awesome that's a pretty good deal isn't it Tim so if you love your life you're gonna lose it but if you hate your life in this world what do you get Life eternal. Boy, talk about getting your eternity changed. How would you like to live eternity in the flesh? (laughs) I heard somebody like really groaning. Oh, Yeah, no. And I'm not even just talking about the avatar. I'm talking about in the consciousness of sin, right? How would you like to live in captivity, in curses forever? No, no release. You talked a little bit about that, Keith, right? Just... Having the, the need of that new man. So another way, like to use uh, Keith's language, how would you like to live or be the old man forever? No, thank you. Right? And I wouldn't even think the old man at this point. i say, Joker, you, your time's up. See ya. Get out of here. All right. But you got to die. That's where we're going here tonight. So he that loves his life shall lose it, and he that... Now, I want you to look at this word the Lord used. Because sometimes we don't put together that these things are in God. But the Lord used the word hateth. Now, when you go to Galatians 5 and you look at the works of the flesh, what's one of the works of the flesh? Hatred. Again, that's the old man nature in that context in Galatians 5. That's the old man nature. He hates. Who does he hate? He hates God, period. He hates God. But yes, son of God, he hates, he hates Jesus. He hates the word of God in you. He hates all of heaven. Believe it or not, he hates everything of heaven. You say, man, I, I, I don't think a thought like that has ever worked in me. Uh-huh. Have you ever been offended? Who's been offended? Who's never been offended? Oh, yeah, I was looking. I was looking close, man, because I was about to have a conversation one-on-one with you. I'd be like, that's not true. We've all been offended. You know how I know that? Not only by experience and the fact that I have truly been offended, okay, But we're all in Adam. We all died in Adam. So where's the offense work? In Adam. So I know you've been offended because you died in Adam. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Don't tell me we don't need Jesus. All right. So look, he says, he that hateth. Let me look at that word real quick. Hateth. You detest it you oh you love it less well that's interesting what happened to that angel in the first church of ephesus did he did it all start leaving your first love how's that look how's that start what's the origin of that and how how does that how does that progress or degress what do you think did he just one day not love the lord keith or did he begin to love the lord less Why? Because he took a thought. He took a thought. One thought is all it takes. Just like it only takes one word of God to visit you and begin to, what? Becoming you the word of God. The word of God becomes in you and makes you a Christ. All right. I just wanted to look at that real quick. But that word detest, that pretty much sums it up, don't it, Keith? So if you detest your life in this world, you'll keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me. So there's the serving. That's what we were after. If any man serve me. So did we just really just kind of read something where the Lord is telling you what serving is? Now we talked about we war by serving the Lord. Now we're defining serving in a preaching because it can get real deep, but we just, we just in a preaching, you're not going to do that, okay? But let me ask you, if you had to interpret what the Lord just said in the context of serving, what would it mean to you? Before I start preaching, I'll ask that question. Let's, let's, work, let's work the room a little bit. Who's got an answer for me? It hate your life in this world. So to serve the Lord means you would hate your life in this world? Good answer. What else? Follow him. follow him. Okay. Anything else? Love him? Love him? Absolutely. Be willing to die. Thank you. Not just willing to die, Brad. Okay. Yeah. But would you have to die? All right. We're going we're to help you get there. Hold on. So he says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So there was one of the answers right there. Let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Hold on now. What is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about dying the death? Is he actually telling them I'm about to go die? Is that what he's saying? Are you guys with me tonight, or am I gonna have to raise some people from the dead here? (laughs) Okay, wake up now, let's go. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. So he's telling you, Keith, I'm about to go die. And when I die, I'm not gonna be in this world anymore, I'm gonna be in heaven. So, is he telling you how to get to heaven? You got to die. It's going to happen. Now, I'm not particularly talking about this physical realm, but it happens here too, right? It's a pretty clear parable. It's like our good friend, pastor, Bishop Rick. Very soon he's going to pass. You know what? You know where he's going? You know where he's going to be? He's going to be in heaven. He's going back into the Lord. He's going back into the angel. Oh, man. Now, think about that for a second and answer this question. If the Lord is telling him, I'm going to die, I'm not going to be in this world anymore. I'm going to heaven. But I'm telling you right here, if you serve me, my servant shall also be where I am. Is he telling you? You serve me. You hate your life in this world. You follow me. You keep my commandments. You do everything I'm telling you to do. You'll be with me in heaven. Life eternal. Boy, that's awesome. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a specific thought I want to get to, but you're just, just nailing a couple of things here. He said, him will my father honor He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. I came here. He told Pilate, for this purpose was I born. You're going to kill me. He said, you know what, though? At any moment, I could call upon my father right now, and he'd send 12 legions of angels. Now, if you just use the Roman centurion legion, Keith, that's around like, 56, 5,800, some disagree, let's call it an even 6,000, whatever. That's over 80,000 angels, if my math is right. 80,000. Now you tell me what Pilate, the chief priest, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the crowd that day that screamed Barabbas, you tell me what any of them would do against 80,000 angels. My point is simple. If he didn't want to fulfill the will of God, he'd have made that prayer and the angels would have come and got him. They would have taken his spirit. They said, come on, body would have just right on the pavement. See you later, body of death. We're out. Adam, you're going to live. Sorry, you're going to live in an eternity of captivity. No access ever again to the tree of life. But that's not what happened, is it? Jesus said for this purpose came I into this world. For this purpose was I born. I came to die. Now you say, "Well, there wasn't any opposition." Oh yeah, go read where he went into the garden of Gethsemane. Did he say, "Father, if it be possible let this, pu- this cup pass?" He did, right? Why? Where was that where was that coming from? Was that flesh rising up at the thought of what was about to take place oh yeah man don't tell me that flesh doesn't work against you that flesh works against you to oppose you to oppose the word of God because it hates God you know what you got to do you got to hate that flesh I'm talking about the consciousness now I'm not telling you to go start cutting yourself and and pinning yourself in a, in a dungeon somewhere and chain yourself up against a wall. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you got to deal with that carnal mind. And when that enemy comes in to seduce you and lie to you and to appeal, uh, appeal to your lust for the things of this life in this world. And we're talking in here. But it does apply out here. When it comes after you to appease you and to to allure you and to seduce you. Remember that young man in Proverbs 7? The young simple man, when the strange woman all decked up and perfumed and ready to go, came by his way and said, Oh, come on, now my husband's a long ways away, far away on a trip. Come and spend the night with me. And he didn't even have a clue, Keith, that her steps lead to hell. Oh, we don't want that. That's why you're here. Now, he said, Father, glorify thy name. Then That's powerful. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. And others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now, and this is what I want to get to. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. What else did he say? If I, if I be lifted up from the earth, talking about his death, he's telling you, if I be crucified here, if I fulfill the will of God here, as I have prayed, as I have been born by prophecy, all the prophets testified about the coming of the Messiah, but they also prophesied about his death. Oh, yeah, man. Even David saw it. You know, the same David I preach about that had a table prepared before him in the presence of his enemies. Now, I want you to think about Jesus on the cross. You may see it in one perspective. That is to say, Jesus on a cross, not a very good thing. But I want you to look at it from God's perspective. I want you to look at it from the Lord's perspective. Is it possible, Tim, that for Jesus... That cross was a table prepared for him in the presence of his enemies. What do you think, Keith? Did Hebrews say that he looked ahead at the joy that was set before him? See, the Lord's perspective on death is very different than ours. I'll just tell you this. The Jesus perception on suffering and tribulation and hatred of the world, very different than ours. We don't like suffering. We don't like death. Some of us don't even have the ability to talk about death because we're so in fear of death because we don't understand it. We don't understand that when we die, you go somewhere. You just don't know where you're going. Not yet. Are you with me? I feel like preaching a little bit here. He said the prince of this world be cast out. What world do you think the Lord was talking about? Was he talking about his world? I'm talking about the first Adam. And the last Adam. Is he about to. Cast out the prince of that world for the last time. Listen to what I'm saying. Everything Jesus did was with intent and great purpose. Let me tell you guys a little bit of a story here. Now, there's some other things we could read here. But I I, want to get to telling this story because we're 20 plus minutes in already. You guys with me? Now, go back to the beginning with me. Was there a being that was created and in the day he was created was found perfect? He was perfect, Keith, until what? until iniquity was found god visited this being he visited this angel he visited this son who did who did visit him wasn't it the lord you have an example of it now some may argue whether it was this angel or another angel or whatever it might have been i I have my own thoughts on the matter but i'm going to preach it in sonship he visited a son can we all agree upon that In the book of Revelation, the word of God is clear. The seven lampstands and the seven stars are the angels and the churches. So we're dealing with sons. Is that fair enough? We agree on that, right? We're dealing with a son. We have a son, according to Ezekiel, that went astray. Went into a fall because he took thought, Keith, and began to merchandise it. And he defiled himself. And Jesus visited this son. This brother. He visited this son of God who was also a brother of the Lord. He visited him. And what did he do? Did he counsel him? Did he tell him the truth? Did he tell him, hey, you've left your first love, but you know what? If you do this, if you will... Repent, remember for once you are fallen, and do your first works, all will be well. You know, another example of that was who? Was it, was it not Cain? Did God visit Cain and say, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to really paraphrase tonight. Did he say, what's up, man? What's the deal? Why is your countenance falling? What, what is going on here, man? Like, you, you, you got a you you problem. I can see it. You know we tell you not to judge by the flesh, but sometimes you you get in conversations with people and you just know you don't need a dream, you don't need a vision, you don't even need, need to discern a spirit. You can see it, Keith, on their countenance. It just falls right before you, and you're like, "You okay, man? You know what I'm talking about, Tim? Can I use you? You, you all right, Tim? Now I know you're okay tonight, but I'm I'm trying to bring you back to the time when this happened." Because it's happened to me too. Whether it was uh, Rick or whoever it was, would speak the word of the Lord. And sometimes my countenance would fall, Brad. The Lord was trying to visit me. It wasn't actually trying. He was visiting me. On the spot, I could have repented. I could have hated the thing that lied to me. I could have given myself to God and cast myself at the mercy of the court and all would have been well, but I would not. Something in me would not bow the knee. Something in me, Keith, would not be obedient. Something in me lusted for something other. I'm telling you, this story goes way back. Way, way back. This story started even before Adam. This story started before Job, and Job started ages before Adam. This story goes way back to the sons of God. God's been around a long time. So the Lord visits this son, and he would not. And guess what? Another age comes around, another dispensation, and he visits him again. But now there's a Satan working. And he visits him again. And seven times he visited this brother, this son. Seven times, Keith. What's that scripture that talks about a righteous man falleth? Somebody find that. Megan, find that for me. A righteous man falls seven times, is it? I, wanna, I, I don't want to quote it. I want to I read it. Read it. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. again. Let me ask you guys a question. Has God ever visited you and awakened you, quickened you, and you come to a place where you're like, my God, I'm ready to go. Let's serve the Lord. You with me? Or am I preaching by myself? Well, I'm not preaching by myself. I I got, mm, I can hear them too. I can hear them when I preach. Sometimes more than others, but I can hear angels talking to me. I can hear heaven rejoicing. I can even hear it in the earth and they're all just, woo, let's go. Again, we're paraphrasing. God may talk to you differently. He may talk to you like the Old Testament. Thou knowest, you know, but that's not how he talks to me. That was a funny, one to keep. Keith? So a just man. Job was a just man. Noah was a just man. Moses was a just man. We've had a lot of examples of just men. Well, this son was just in the beginning. He was righteous in the beginning. He was perfect. I mean, what do you think perfect is? He was perfect until... God visited him seven times, seven dispensations. He visited that brother, and each time he had opportunity, but he would not. There was even a time in one of the churches, I believe it's Philadelphia, that he actually he actually woke up and was like, hey, let's go, man. The, the love of the brother was working there. But again, we get a hold of this thing sometimes, Keith, and We just, it's like trying to grab the horn of the altar and and we let it slip. We let it slip. On the seventh time, what did God say? Church of Laodicea, what did he say? Come and counsel with me. Can you imagine the Lord being that patient? He's given this guy seven times. How many times has he given you? More than that, you say? Just in this life, how many times has God visited you? A lot of times though, right? Has he visited you a lot of times, Marvin? What about you, Sharon? How many times do you know? Or do you just say, well, I just know it's a bunch. I know it's a lot. God visits you. His intent is to heal you. His intent is to love you. His intent is to give you the truth. But it's more than that. His intent is to cause you to become that truth. Oh, man. I remember going into a dream one time. And I'm in the very beginning and this creature's being created. And I see both light and darkness. I didn't know at the time it was heaven and earth. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that. I was watching the beginning of the creation of God, and I was in Genesis, and I'm watching how this thing is happening. And I saw the outline of a figure at that time, and there was this, what seemed to be like this, this breastplate, if I can explain it that way. It's the only way I can really explain it right now, but I saw the finger of God as if it were fire-riding, faithful, and true witness. I didn't know very much at all, but I knew this one thing for sure. I knew then when I had that dream, that's where God was taking me. I knew I was partaking, but I knew for this creature, for this being, for this angel, for calling what you will call him son, calling whatever. I knew at that time before God was done, Keith, that's what he was going to be. He was going to be a faithful and true witness by prophecy. God put the thing in prophecy. I didn't know then what I know now. I won't know what I, what I don't know right now. I'll know tomorrow. In two years from now, I'll know more than I do right now. You know how I know that? Because I've proved that over and over again. A few of us have. We've proved it because God is faithful He'll visit you. And when you submit yourself to the anointing, guess what God does? He gives it to you without reservation, just like he said. And and I can tell you that even if you've been one of those angels that left your first estate, left your first habitation and did some naughty, naughty things and went into chains of darkness reserved forever. We got some T-shirts around here. But here's the thing. God visited him on the seventh time. Did he accept the deal, Keith? He didn't, did he? What did God do? Did God put it out? Did John say that they were some among us that were not of us? They went out because they were not of us? It's like in the beginning, knowing that there's some thoughts that know the commandment of God, but their lust is too great. They don't want to keep that commandment. They would actually desire to go out because they have been persuaded that there's something greater on the other side of the fence. You don't know when you're one of those stars in Revelation 12 that it's too late until it's too late. You done been drugged out by the tail of a nasty dragon and there's nothing you can do about it because you lost all power when you gave up your will to follow after that deceiver. That should tell you just how much you need Jesus. And that's why he came. He came to get you back. So what did God do after that seventh time? Did he breathe it out? Because it fell to the earth, right? Did he breathe it into Adam? Is that how God put the origin story of heaven into the earth? He breathed it into a man formed of the dust of the ground. And that man who was once spirit became a living soul. All souls are mine, saith the Lord. So don't think being a soul is a bad thing. All that a soul in simplicity means is that you are not in heaven anymore. You are out. Remember those souls under the altar? So what does a soul need? A soul needs a visitation of the living spirit, of the quickening spirit of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the living, quickening spirit of Jesus Christ will quicken that soul back to remembrance in Him and baptize that soul in Him and make it spirit again. And you'll no longer be without the body. So, when God breathed this into Adam, what's God do now? Did He bring that whole story to manifestation? If you want to know what happened in heaven, With the angels. Go read the book of Genesis. And look at the story God told. In fact look at everything God told. From Genesis. All the way to when Jesus showed up. What do you see. Manifested that is born of Adam. You see both good. And evil. So you got life and death. Light and darkness. You got righteousness. And sin You can see the parable. Haven't you ever wondered when you looked at the seven churches why God addressed things like Balaam? Why God addressed things like Jezebel? And then all of a sudden Keith in the story and genealogy of Adam you see characters like Balaam and Jezebel. That's not coincidence. That's God manifesting the story in Adam in the earth. So now you've got this entire story in motion. It's going forth. And what does God do? God interjects himself into the story. How? Prophecy. You say, what a, you, how did God do that? Well, you tell me, how did God do that? Did God show up sometimes like he did here? A voice from heaven said I of Jesus said glorify thy name father and a voice from heaven said i have glorified it and i will glorify it again is that the only time they ever heard a voice from heaven what about angels did angels ever get injected into the earthly story of adam did they see angels what about prophets Did prophets get sin of God? Sometimes these prophets, man, they were just working the earth. They were just doing. Elijah, I believe it was Elijah. You Bible scholars help me. No, I'm sorry. It was Elisha was running 12 yoke of oxen. And God said, put it down. Let's go. Does it remind you of what Jesus did with his apostles? Hey, James, John, Peter, you fishermen over there. Come and follow me and I'll teach you to be fishermen of men. They dropped their nets, Keith. That's hating the world right there, man. They left their daddy in the boat. They left their father in the boat. Said, see you later, dad. Gotta go. We've been called. We've been chosen. Now the question is, were they going to be faithful? Oh, they found out. Didn't they? Peter found out. Oh, man, look at the example that God used in Peter. Jesus said, I go to die. I go to Jerusalem to die. I was in a dream out in a Boise conference. I was sleeping man, deep asleep. And I have this dream and I am in Peter, man. And the Lord tells me this. He tells all of us. My brothers were there. I've had a bunch of dreams like that. Our, our apostolic brothers were all there, man, in these dreams. In the boats and with Jesus and all this good stuff. And I'm in Peter and, and the Lord says, I go to die. I go to Jerusalem to die. And Keith, it was violent. It, it wasn't just Peter saying something. He reached out and grabbed the Lord in my dream. By force he was going to tell him, not so. You can't do this. Jesus knew exactly what spirit was working in Peter. He called it so. What did he tell him? He said, Satan, get behind me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that what? Be of men. Whose world did he love? Right up to the very end. Those disciples were asking Jesus, now will you restore Israel to power? Keith, they were of the earth, bro. They were of the earth. Earthly, sensual, devilish. We're talking about apostles. Mm -mm. You wouldn't even begin to believe me if I told you devils work in elders too. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god you just unsettled me to the nth degree if devils work in, in elders then i have no hope that's a lie you preached it monday night what does it mean bro what does it mean god's visiting you to do what to get that devil out of you to get that old man out of you to change you from the old to the new See, I believe in the new man. Daniel believes in the new man. Preaches it all the time. Brian believes in the new man. Keith preached it like a man of God on fire Monday. Believes in the new man. That's our hope. That's our joy. You see death all around you. You see death in your mind, in your thoughts. Devils work. They can work in your very being. I'm telling you, man. Passed down from one generation to the other. Even in this life. But here's the generation you got to catch. You got to catch the one that was born of Adam. That's the generation the devil's working in. That's the flesh he's working in. So what's the deal here? Well, Jesus says it. He makes it plain. He looked around at Peter. He said, Satan. Is God after Satan? Now... It's interesting to go back a little bit now, back to the heaven. Let's go back and forth here for a minute. After visiting this being, what ends up happening? Did it get exposed in heaven? Did Michael find out? Did God find out? Did the Lord find out about this iniquity? And what was this iniquity? Well, let's use it in an example, kind of like what I did for Peter. Let's use it in the example of Michael. Did someone come after Michael's kids? And did Michael find out about it? What did he do about it? He, you said he rose up. Before we get to the kicking out, I like the kicking out. But he rose up. Just like everyone that's ever come into a resurrection does. Did Jesus rise up? Did Peter rise up? Did it say in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, I believe it's chapter 12. If you want to find it for me, please do. This will play right into what I'm talking about right this moment when Michael stands up. Come up here real quick and read it for me, so we can get you on the mic. I that way I don't have to repeat it. I'm already working hard enough. Let's go. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great. Give him, give him chapter and verse. Daniel twelve verse one, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And that, that's good enough. Michael, the great prince. Now, catch that prince there, right? I told you it works in good and evil, right? Jesus said this prince of the world is going to be cast out. But Michael, the great prince, is going to stand up and fight for who? The, The children of the people. Does Michael care about those children? Oh, yeah, man. So it says his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And who won? Michael won, therefore God won, therefore Jesus won, because this is all in Christ. You go put the whole book of Revelation into one context, you can put it in Jesus. Plain and simple. Okay? It's all in him. I preached a few weeks ago about the revelation of Jesus Christ and what Jesus overcame. See, we talk sometimes like this is something he hasn't experienced. Who do you think, or let me ask it this way, whose heaven do you think Lucifer was in when he sinned against God? Well, number one, he was in God's heaven. But whose heaven is that? It's the heaven of Jesus. Don't tell me Jesus hasn't experienced this. He's experienced that betrayer, that deceiver, that Judas. Judas. He's experienced it, and guess what he did with it? He overcame it. How do I know? Well, you could talk about witness, you could talk about experience, but I'm just going to keep it in the scripture right now. He said, "I beheld Satan falling from heaven like lightning." He overcame that devil, didn't he? But Michael, by prophecy, is being spoke of here as we're using the context of this example. Michael will stand up in that day. Now, read down a little further. Does it not talk about those that are in the dust shall awake? Come on back up, get you some exercise here. What I'm really doing is is teaching you how to preach. Thank you. All right, it's verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth. They do what? They sleep. sleep. Where are you going? Oh, okay. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. (laughs) They sleep, Keith. They sleep. Keep going. They sleep in the dust of the earth. They shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Did Daniel just prophesy Luke 5? Yeah. You mean guys like Daniel were handling this prophecy of the Lord all the way back then? Gabriel was handling this prophecy all the way back then? Michael was handling this prophecy all the way back then for such a time as this. This is in prophecy. God has ordained that you be raised from the dust of the earth and out of your sleep. And all you need is for Michael and you to stand up. And when Michael stands up, you know what he does? He says, Let's go. We're gonna not only overcome and put that dragon out, we're gonna get back our kids. We're gonna get our children back. In heaven's language, we're gonna get the stars back, because that's what kids are in heaven. They're stars, they're angels. You say, What are you talking about? Them little tiny baby angels with their naked butts sitting on fireplaces and little itty bitty tidy wings? Nope. (laughs) Because baby angels don't have wings. So how do they get that naked little fat butt off the the ground? Can't do it. (laughs) Oh, man. It's too much sometimes. Or maybe not enough. This whole story of God. Michael's going to stand up. And those that are in the dust of the ground are going to awake. How many remember the prophecy of Rick? I call him Rick because we have to. That's how you know him, right? He prophesied Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones, dead bones, if you will. All you got to do is have the angel of the Lord in the day of the Lord be sent by Jesus from the throne, pass through a few portals and get to the mountain in the earth and put your sword down in that earth and prophesy the word of the Lord. And the angels on the four corners begin to stir the winds and those winds of the Holy Ghost begin to move upon that valley and all that dirt, all that dust begins to unsettle and all of a sudden you see these bones there. And before you know it, They begin to grow parts back together, skin and sinew, and everything comes back together. And God raises them up right before your very eyes. And then you see your father Abraham. I'm just telling you this one similitude, it could be different for you. But your father Abraham lifts up his hands and says, We have waited long for this day. What day? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord's rising. The day when Michael stands up. And it's, it would be so for every son of God. Jesus being the firstborn among many brethren. This is the way it's going to go for every son. And you ladies go, wait a minute, what about me? Well, Dan just preached that answer for you. Right? I say comments like, you ladies are going to have to overcome the wicked one. And then a teacher comes behind me and it spounds that down to the nth degree. There you go. I've learned to trust God. God will answer everything you need to know if it's asked with the right desire, the right intent, the right prayer. He'll answer it. You can make a prayer now. I'm talking about those that have learned to do this. You can make a prayer and God will talk to you around the spot. Answer you, literally answer you right on the spot. It's in consciousness. It's the word. You hear it and he talks to you. You with me? All right, we got to wrap this up. So we give you some examples. But now let's take it back to the earth. Jesus Being born of a woman made under the law, Jesus by prophecy, Jesus, the great eternal spirit, robed in an image created by God the Father. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, Michael puts this thing out of heaven, and heaven rejoices. So that enemy. That wicked one, that dragon, that old serpent called the devil is not in heaven anymore. Right? Or is it possible he's still in yours? But he's not in the Lord's, Tim. And if you become partaker with the Lord, he's not in yours if you've come to that. But here's the catch. Where did he fall? He fell to the earth. He was cast out of heaven, Keith. But you preached it beautifully Monday night. Sometimes you contend in that old man, don't you? Why is that? Because you've got a prince of the world still working in you. What's got to happen to that prince? Does he have to be cast out? What does it? take to get him out for good i'm hearing some answers visitation of jesus word of the lord michael standing up go back to the beginning of how i started this what has to take place you have to serve the lord and it brings you to what you have to die to self, Deb. Very good. You got to lay down your life. You got to take up your cross and follow him. Why did it say, why did Jesus say your cross? Jesus came into the world and he spent three and a half years teaching his disciples, his brothers. He taught them to do what? What? He taught them two basic things. He taught them how to live and how to die. How to die to self, how to die to Satan, how to die to the old man, how to preach the gospel, how to be baptized. He taught them how to repent. First thing he said, repent. He came preaching in Jerusalem. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He spent three and a half years teaching them, showing them the kingdom of God in parables by way of the kingdom of heaven. But even then would pull them aside and be very intimate with them. I remember these things because Rick, this is what he did for us. You remember, Keith? This is what he did for us. He would tell us about the kingdom of God. But he would put it in parables of the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't really have the right intent, hard to get there. In other words, if there's a Satan, if there's a prince, if there could be a lot of princes. But if there's a Satan working there, guess what you ain't getting? You ain't getting God's secrets. You know who he gives God's secrets? God gives his secrets to? To the prophets. So, hmm. Interesting. Can you discern one of the preeminent gifts that Rick walked in while he was among us? Did he walk as a prophet among us in the spirit of a prophet? Oh, yes, he did, man. He sure did. We've had tons of conversations about that. Phenomenal stuff, man. Someone said by prophecy, and it would be. Here's my point. Almost an hour now. We'll just have to finish this later. At the end of it all, Jesus told them the key. The entire key was summed up in just a few words. I'm telling you right now, if you want to save your soul, if you want to save yourself from this untoward generation, what did Peter say? Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Actually, he said he'll give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, what's in that repentance, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost? Is it not the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did he not give you the secret? If you want to get back, Adam, if you want to come out of death, you want to come out of the old man, you just have to die. Now, Jesus did die. That is, in the body, he did die. They killed him. They killed his body. But boy, he was moving and grooving in that three-day period. Right? And when he came back into the body, what had God done? Oh, he changed that body. How did he change that body? I'll give you a, a hint. God talked to me about this when I was in California, but Rick preached this years ago. Did he burn it up? Did he burn it up? Did it? There's a key word I'm looking for. Was it consumed, dissolved? Close enough, bro. Consumed, just to get real specific for a second, is not the same as destroying, right? Right? He didn't destroy the body he dissolved the body of death in other words Jesus gave you foreknowledge here I'm going to die and when I do that's going to be the end of the prince of this world now I'm putting you in prophecy here tonight and I'm telling you right now this is all destined for each and every one of you God is going to lead you and guide you and teach you and instruct you. And he does it every week by men of God that are full of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't mean they don't have places to go to. Doesn't mean that we've yet attained. Doesn't mean that we've, we've accomplished all things. There's a big old world, Keith, in this heart that I'm still preaching to. How about you? Oh, man. Devils in this world, man. Sometimes I preach to them and they hate me for it. They want to kill me. Violence. But here's the catch. If you're like Paul and you you do it like this, you die daily. So that Christ can be glorified, magnified, lifted up. Everything brought to remembrance. That's why we have communion. To remember what the Lord did. You can walk in a resurrection. You can walk in the mind of Christ. You can be free. Doesn't mean that that devil will not oppose you at times. Paul was called to go to Macedonia, but Satan withstood him. There's a lot to talk about here, and I'm out of time. But it's enough. It's good enough. What I'm telling you here tonight, in prophecy, by prophecy is that what God is doing for us is bringing us to a place, Tim, where there's going to be a day where that dragon will not only be cast out of your heaven, he'll be cast out of the earth, and all things will be made new, and it will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be devil free. (laughs) That's awesome, isn't it? You guys with us? You good? God bless you. We will talk to you again soon.